Ah, bing, bong, boom. It's Mr. Worldwide when I step in the room. I'm a hustler, baby. You already know it's your boy, Big 38. Yes, sir. And it is Coach Carey. And we're back, back, back with another episode for you and all our fans out there. I got to start off real quick. Hot start, hot start. Are you ready? Ole Miss ranked in the top 10. I need I need Ooh. a reaction. You know, that's the alma mater. You know, four-year starter there. Come on, talk to me. How, how happy are you to see the Ole Miss Rebels in the top 10 in the college football rankings? All I can say is, are you ready? <laughs> hell yeah. Damn right. Hotty toddy, gosh almighty, who the hell are we? Hey, flim, flam, bam, bam, old miss by them. I mean, the mm. boys are, you know, watching them play Kentucky. You could tell, like, it's a defensive-oriented team now. Uh, they've drive the bus with the defense. Uh, defense making stops, getting picks, causing fumbles at the end, end of the game. You know, defense has really stepped up. And seeing, you know, people that were there my, fr- my senior year, their freshman year, and seeing how far they've come, see how far they've grown as – being the leaders on the team and doing that stuff, I think it's been cool. And, you know, Coach Kiff, Kiffin's doing a great job with the energy on the sidelines, the energy that he brings, and just the offensive mindset that he brings to the offense and stuff like that. So I think those boys are rolling. Uh, you know, they had Vandy this past week. They, they they let Vandy get up, but then they came back and, you know, Mingo had, I think, this year has the most yards by a wide receiver. Um, He's going off. Has this has the school record for as many uh, uh, yards in a, a single game. Does he really? He went – it's like – what he had? Like two – I think it was like 247. That's Dang. crazy. That's quarterback numbers. Yeah, like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, he went crazy, In the SEC you know, nonetheless. Yeah, even though Vandy's one of the lower-tier teams, still an SEC opponent. Hey, SEC is SEC. But I think as long as they keep – their heads on right and don't get too cocky and stay in the moment. Uh, you know, I think the, the gauntlet's about to start. You know, you got the Alabamas coming up, the Auburns, the Texas A&Ms. You got mm-hmm. LSU coming up. So they got to survive that gauntlet. And, you know, Yo, those are some teams that. right there. Those teams that you just spoke about, that's, I mean, Alabama ranked in the top ten, obviously, number one. You know, Texas A&M doing well this year. LSU, they almost, Rocky. They beat Alabama. Well, yeah, that was a good game. I don't know. You watched that this weekend? I didn't watch, but I saw the highlights, you know, with uh, Bryce Young being hurt. And, yeah. Uh, that, so, but we'll hey, see. You know, ain't, ain't no easy opponent in the SEC. Hey, not at all. SEC is, you know, that's what they say. The SEC Is the SEC the best conference? Yes. It's not even a question. Like, that's why everybody wants to join the SEC. You see where Oklahoma and Texas are going next year. You're like, true. It is what it is. It's this SEC, is then Big Ten. It's, it's SEC, then Big Ten, than everybody else. I, w- I, w- I could agree with that because you got the Ohio State, the Penn State, Michigan. The Michigan. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Lane Kiffin, he's great for college football. You know, being from uh, when he was at FAU, you know, the things he's doing on Twitter, you know, the way he's using social media to his advantage, I think that's so good for the growth of college football right now, especially in this like NIL kind of time frame that we're in right now, because I think he's bringing a lot of attention, positive attention to Ole Miss and, you know, having them ranked in the top 10, you know, I'm sure he's doing everything he can for his guys um, in the NIL uh, realm, but just to have them in the top 10 and then 
it being one of the top coaches in the country right now, you know, Ole Miss is really getting, you know, they're on top right now. I mean, how can you say, how can you argue not? What are they ranked? Ninth, I believe. Ninth in the AP and coaches poll. Hey, that's something to, that's something to be proud of. Must hey, feel good to play have, have good. played for them, huh? Yeah, you know, hotty not toddy. Hotty toddy. Hotty toddy. Let's hotty go. Toddy. Land sharks. To Land the sharks. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But hey. Let me let me ask you a question right now. You know, right now a lot of talks in the NFL about concussion protocol and you know injuries and things of that sort. You know, I'm I'm sure you saw the Tua the Tua hit, which you know hope Tua is feeling better. You know, I don't ever want to see anybody get hurt like that, especially in the concussions coming from someone that's had a bunch. You know, but how do you as a player feel that the league's doing to you know help you guys out or like? How do you just, you know, give me your thoughts on Tua's situation and then other situations in the league, you know, maybe even talking about like lower body injuries with, you know, some, some people are talking about the turf being the the reason. But, you know, let me what's your thoughts on it being in the league, being around it, you know, hearing all the outside noise, but also being a part of uh, the NFL organization. Um, I would say the especially with the concussions, uh, I think the NFL does has, you know, a lot of steps that they can get better at, obviously. And but it's also on the player to be real with themselves and not put themselves in harm way for to you know, play a game. Because um, uh, you could go through all these tests, and you know sometimes people don't pay attention to the first time, so they got a, a you know a, a good score or a bad score, and then the second time they got a, a crazy score. You know what I'm saying? So you got to take this time when you're doing a concussion protocol test and all that stuff and really. Focus on what you're doing because, again, this is what's going to keep you from not taking those, going playing through a concussion, doing all that stuff. And, you know, obviously there's doctors who can help along with those different tests that we do. But it's the, the NFL is trying to take the steps to do it the proper way. And, you know, the Tua situation is definitely difficult. You see, I didn't see the first time when he, like, felt, you know, wobbled out. The first concussion the second- or lack thereof, maybe. Lack, lack thereof, and you know, seeing the second one, that was just scary. You see his hands, his hands. clinch. Yeah, his hands is what did it for a lot of people. Like you see that, you kind of thought, oh, maybe his hand was broke, and then you see the replay, and it's like, oh no, that was a shock to the body of him, like trying to, you know, cradle himself. Like he was knocked like, out. Yeah. He had to be knocked out and cold. It, you know, it's it's scary to see that, and you know, as a player, you never want to see somebody get hurt like that because again. You know, we're playing this game that we love, but it's not who we are. You know, a lot of people got a lot of different things that they have passions for and do stuff for. You know, this sport only is supposed to take you to where you want to be later on in life and to, you know, elevate you, you know, to play at the highest level. But to see someone go out like that is kind of scary because, again, you, you never know if that could happen to you. Like, just like, you know, Inky Johnson didn't know it would happen to him when he got hurt. You know, you never know. If that play, whatever, you, you could be making a simple tackle. You could be making a simple throw. You never know if that play can be the last play. One so, play away. You know, with, all, with all the concussions, then, you know, the ACLs with this turf. I'm not a big fan of turf. Um, I think turf is, you know. It's, you guys, it's you guys are grass in Carolina? We were grass my rookie year, and then we switched to turf my, my second year. And okay. now we're still turf. Um, I think it's more of a business decision for owners because with grass – if you think about it, you can't have other – you can't really have events. You can't have, like, concerts. You can't mm-hmm. have all that stuff because then the grass just gets messed up. Um, 
which, you know, the NFL is a business. So these, you know, owners want to, you know, they want as much, they want to bang for the, they want as much money they can get from using their stadium. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I don't feel like that's, that's something um, to, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of turf with the turf burns and then some turfs are kind of stiffer than others. You can tell by just walking on them. You're like, yo, mm-hmm. I plant in my foot, like it don't move. You know what I'm saying? With grass, it kind of gives with the foot. You know, it, it's not saying those, like the turf is the ultimate reason why people are tearing the ACL, you know, hurting them, you know, hurting lower body injuries. But again, it can be, it can be a big, you know, difference in the way, like, different injuries are happening and stuff like that. So for sure. Those are, that's my opinion on that stuff. What about you from the concussion standpoint? You know, someone that's had concussions, how did you feel when you saw Tua go down and, you know, seeing um, Sterling Shepard, you know, with the ACL being a Giants fan, all that. So how did you feel in those two situations? No, having about 10 concussions in my life and concussions being the ultimate reason why my football career stopped, I don't want to see anybody get them. But at the same time, I understand that in football, you sign up knowing that that's a risk. And I think Joe Burrow came out and said that, you know, they get paid. He said, we get paid handsomely knowing the risk that we're taking, you know. And the crazy thing is, it's like, yeah, at that, at the level that you're playing, the risk is a lot higher. The, it's, the speed is faster. The, the, the guys are bigger than in uh, high school and college a lot of times. But at the end of the day, anybody that plays the sport knows what's going to – like knows that at at the end of the day, it's a risk that you take. Um, but right. to see somebody go down the way Tua did was definitely a scary sight to see. You know, his hand gets curled up. You know, and him having came out of the game the week before for a similar reason, thinking that he had a concussion, and then him being back, it's like you can you blame – anybody really because at the same time like as a player i know from when i played you had to drag me off the field you weren't going to you know the competitiveness in me it really took a lot for me to not you know play and the fact that a doctor had to tell me that i couldn't play anymore in front of my mom and my mom was like yeah you can play but you got to get out of my house or you cannot play and you got a place to stay you know that was a big eye-opener for me Concussions are no joke, you know, they can take people's lives, they can cause a lot of damage down the road, and I think, you know, the whole CTE thing is a scary a scary thing to even talk about, but it's a conversation that needs to be had because we we need to figure out ways to prevent, and if not prevent, then how do we cope with it as we get older, you know, because I think the biggest right. thing in the league right now is not necessarily, guys play in the league knowing that's a risk. But they want to know, like, is there anything that's going to help them after the fact? You know, and the guys of the right. past didn't have that option. There was no, hey, we got this doctor you can see. We got that doctor that you see. And we're lucky in that we live in 2022, this age of technology and how everything's growing. Because they're finding different ways to cope with stuff like this. So I think knowing the risk comes with playing football, whether you're a mighty might at seven years old or whether you're. 32 playing in your eighth ninth year in the nfl you know everybody plays knowing the risk but you can't play scared so you don't even think about it you know i think that's the biggest thing and you know that kind of go the playing scared thing kind of goes back to the lower leg injuries too you know you're seeing a lot of these guys with like you said sterling Shepard, you know just jogging and tearing his acl like that's crazy to me the fact that somebody he's not even cutting because you know a lot of times acl injuries happen from cutting 
um, and things like that. But to see him just jog and that happen, you know, something's got to change. And the league has to figure out a way to minimize these lower leg injuries. You know, too many ACLs are being torn. Too many Achilles are being torn. MCLs, meniscuses, all these lower leg injuries are happening and they weren't happening in the past. You know, it could also be everybody's faster, everybody's bigger, everybody's stronger and things like that. But what can the league do and what could the, the sport of football in general do to kind of minimize all these injuries? You know, I think, yes, going to grass, it, it would probably be the best thing. You know, I, Odell Beckham came out and said it's the turf. And it's MetLife Stadium has been known for having very bad turf. Um, it's like yeah. it's known in the around the league and in the country that, you know, MetLife's turf sucks. So I think that that is definitely something that the league should look into about potentially going back to grass. Um, even if you have to bite the bullet, figure out figuring out ways to cover it to get the income, like the concerts and things of that sort that they that these stadiums can do. I think they just have to figure out how to get it done because I do think that it needs to change because you know protection of the players is at an all time high. But let's get that ball rolling a little more and let's really protect the guys. You know, you you guys are making like Joe Burrow said, you're getting paid handsomely for what you're doing. But the risk is a lot higher for the NFL than, you know, kids playing high school football. Not saying that the risk isn't there because obviously the risk is there no matter what you play, no matter what sport you play, especially football. So it's kind of like what can the league do? And I think going grass is, you know, the biggest thing that we can the, the league can do right now is looking into does grass make that much of a difference? And if so, right. it just has to change. Right. So speaking about that, do you think – you have a kid, right? Let's say a few years you have your, your your first kid, and then how young, you know, with this knowledge about concussions and having concussions in your past, how young would you let your kid play tackle football? Like, what's the age you're like? Okay, you can go play tackle right now. Yeah, it's funny you ask that because I was having this conversation the other day with somebody, and it was, you know, I played football since I was seven, tackle football since right. I was seven, you know, I flag at six. I don't know if I would let my son play football as young as I did. I think I would that would I would let that decision be their decision. But you know, I know I think the Mannings have talked come out and said that, you know, they weren't allowing their kids to play tackle football until they got into an older age. I'm not opposed to that, especially the way flag football is now. You know, flag football kinda is changing the game. Uh, in my opinion, I think it's making the game faster. I think it's you know making bigger guys more agile. Like you're seeing these offensive linemen run these fast ass forties, having like these crazy verticals. Like Evan Neal, the one that the offensive lineman from Alabama, the Giants drafted, Athletic. like a jump split. You know, I don't know if he played flag football. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. But I think what flag football does is it's creating a different way of football. You know, it's called it's creating people to have to run. You know, I mean, obviously right. offensive linemen pull and things like that, but I think for me, I would probably wait, I don't know, maybe middle school to let my kids play tackle, honestly. You know, right. and that could change, you know, if they're begging me, you know, dad, 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 I want to play, I want to play, especially being a coach, you know, they'll be around the game. I'd say middle school is a good age right now. Um, I don't want to ruin youth football because I do think that, you know, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 year olds can play tackle. 
if they're taught the correct form. But then again, then you have the conversation of youth football coaches are living their, you know, their dream through these kids. And, you know, they're, they're wor- more worried about winning. Like, I look at youth football as like, teach the kids how to play football the right way. Teach them how to tackle. Teach them how to block. Teach them how to throw. Teach them how to run. And then by the time they get to middle school and high school, they're already set. Um, but I'm not, you know, for me, I'd say middle school for my kids. Let them play. But but they will be playing flag. And, you know, that's, you know, as soon as we start throwing a football, I hope that they want to start playing. Then we'll just start playing flag. And then once they are ready and then once me and whatever are ready to kind of let them go, then we let them go. How about you? What are you thinking? Especially you, you're in the NFL. It's a little different for you. You've been playing a lot longer. I would say my kid ain't playing until later into middle school years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll play flag, obviously. But I think flag teaches you the fundamentals of how to tackle. You know, closing the hip, closing to the hip, focusing mm-hmm. on the hip because that's where you got to pull the flag. Yep. So then it's going to it, it's gonna translate in some different ways, like you're saying, into playing tackle. Um, but definitely, you know, I started playing football when I was five. So, uh, yeah, not happening. Yeah, definitely right? Definitely not happening. Just the way the whole Just game because- is going right now. Yeah, like, and some youth football coaches don't know the proper techniques. And I'm not about to put my son out there, and he don't even know how to spell, you know, Saraville, or, you know, he doesn't know how to spell, yeah. you know, he doesn't even know how to talk for himself. You know, once you get into that, you know, 12, 13, 14, you at least know how to articulate or, you know, a sentence with someone who's grown. If they're telling you to do the wrong thing, you know, well, I'm going to tell my dad about this because he's going he gonna to know if this is right or wrong. Yeah, for sure. Like, like you see these videos online of kids doing Oklahoma drills. They're like, their helmets are bigger than them. Like, yeah, they're like walking no, sideways. <laughs> there's no reason in the world why anybody needs to do Oklahoma drills. No way. Like, when no, they were, when we no were reason. younger, they were fun. I'll say that they were fun. It's fun. But it's now fun looking to at watch it, people, like if you think about it, it was fun to watch people get ran over or smacked. Yeah. If you were do, running somebody part. over or trucking somebody, you know, like that was fun. And it's still fun watching those videos. But then you think about the, you know, the health perspective of that. Like that he- your yeah. head's getting jolted back and probably hitting the ground really hard. That's how I got my last yeah. concussion. I, my, my head hit the ground. It wasn't even like I was hitting somebody. It's, you know, the head hitting the ground caused a lot more concussions than we, than we can even understand. Yes. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah, I would say late, late middle school. Late years. middle school. So we can agree on Get middle school. Yeah, I would say at least two years before high school. Yeah. Get them comfortable, you know, tackling, doing all that stuff, you know, all that. So I would say at least two, three to two to three years. Okay. That's, that's, my, that's my final answer. Now, speaking about flag football, how, what do you, what's your thoughts on flag football kind of being like, a new AAU basketball, a new travel baseball. You know, these flag football tournaments are becoming huge. They're going viral all over social media. You know, Cam Newton a couple years ago really getting his team going and him being the coach, traveling around. You know, that's – I was talking to somebody about this the other day. I think this is great for football. I think that it keeps kids involved. It keeps kids around the game. It it keeps them – you know, their knowledge of the game is getting stronger because they're around the game more, you know. I'm not opposed to kids playing other sports. Don't get me wrong. Like, if you play basketball, if you play baseball, if you run track, if you wrestle, do all do all that. Continue to do all that. 
But I feel that this flag, this travel flag football that has really started in the high school ranks, I don't know how much it helps recruitment-wise um, because how realist, realistic is the seven-on-seven seven, um, to a game. But you see these guys, these high, you know, five-star, four-star guys playing in these flag football tournaments just bagging people up top. These quarterbacks slinging the rock, you know. I think it's great. You know, I, I, I wish that we had this when we were coming up because I, I, I would have played baseball, but in the summer I would have done baseball and football. Right. I, no, I love it. I love it. I love it for the sport of football. But the one thing I don't lo- love about it is what comes with it. Like all the stuff that happens on social media when people get caught on top of all the, oh, the, you know, the doing all this. Shit. Yeah. yeah. Doing, do, doing all that for, for social media. You're trying mm-hmm. to get noticed. I remember I saw the one video of the kid doing this, and then the kid, like, sneaks him. Well, they really sneak him, punch him, and yeah. knocks him out. Like, back in, you know, when we played, if you put your hands with somebody at any type of way, you try to do anything, that's what usually happened. Like, we was going, you know, this game is over. Like, let's just square up. Let's fight. Yeah. Let's get this, let's get this over with. Like, I think that's what's kind of turning the game into more of a show, mm. not so much of people trying to learn the different coverages. Like, I was talking to Xavier um, – X, this, um, uh, what was it, Saturday when he was walking back, he was like, yeah, he was, he had a seven on seven at his last um, camp that he did back in Louisiana. Um, and he was like, I was telling this kid to play cover two and he was, you know, trying to talk like he was the guy, he was that guy, he thought he was that guy. He was like, yo, in cover two, you got the deep half. Why the next two plays later, they're in cover two, the kid's in the flat and they throw it deep and he scores exactly. And all X said, he just pointed Pointing. Mm-hmm. Like that, that, that's you. Yep. But the kid didn't want nothing to do with it. So, you know, I think there's pros and cons, but then, you know, you get kids that are really good at that are really good at flag that don't know how to read a coverage in real football. Yeah. It's totally different once that O line and D line get involved. And so it's you I know, think it's you know, coaching has, has to do with helps. that too, right? Would you say coaching kinda has like if you have the right coaches around you? in a flag setting to not allow your team to do all that extra stuff and te- really teach them, all right, this is cover two. This is what each person has to do. This is what the linebackers, linebackers walling, you know, corners hard flat, you know, all the all the little things that you would learn on a, a football team, 11 on 11, if you should be learning those little things when you're playing flag. And I think if you have the right coaches around you and you have the right system in place, now we're setting these kids up for success when they get to their high school teams or when they get to their college teams and things like that. Would you agree? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I definitely agree. You definitely need the right system, you need the right people, you need the right mentors because I feel like college isn't – I mean, flag isn't about really the coaching but about mentoring those kids mm. because they're you're traveling. It's not like high school where you know, you're going to play a home game or play an away game. It's like you're traveling to different tournaments. So your coach is more of a mentor because they're taking you out to lunch. They're taking you out to dinner. They're traveling you with you to this hotel. They're more than just your coach and the X's and O's. But you need that mentor on that team that can mentor you. A couple. Mm-hmm. You don't need just one. You need, like, two or three that can mentor these young men into how to properly, you know, carry yourself on the road, how to properly carry yourself in the hotel, in a, in a restaurant because – more than likely, you're going to be away from your family. You know, mm-hmm. if your parents come, you're going to be with the team. So 
that coach mentor is the one who's going to be setting the rules, setting the standard for how we act on the road and how we do things. So, you know, it's all about who's who's running the show. For sure. And do the, and do the kids respect that person? So you've got for to sure. have somebody like that. Yeah, because, you know, they got, you're teaching them how to be a young man. You know, a lot of these guys maybe not have ever traveled before, you know. And like you said, in high school, you're playing where you're just taking a bus. You know, when these these travel tournaments, you know, I was talking to, you know, Malachi Timberlake coached on a seven-on-seven. And, you know, he was going down to South Carolina. He was going down to Florida with his teams. And, you know, a lot of them didn't have the parents to go. They were taking a, a charter bus, and he was in charge of all of them. So he's got to make sure that they're checking in, make sure they're acting right in the hotel, make sure they're saying – Yes, ma'am. No, man. You know, you teach them how to hold the door for people. You know, you don't want to have that 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 aura around the team where, you know, they're just a bunch of assholes that play football well. You know, you want to be, you know, they're great football players and they're great young men. And that's, you know, I think that if we get more seven on seven teams like that, I think we're going to benefit the kids more. And Because at the end of the day, it's all about the kids. It's not about the coaches. The coaches are there to help these kids learn and grow. Um, Without them, without the coaches, these, you know, a lot of these kids will be on the street. A lot of these kids will never play football or play a sport or whatever it is. So, you know, I do think that, you know, it's possible to do it the right way. You just have to find the right people. Definitely. Definitely have to find the right people. All right, I got one more question for you. What you got? What you I got to ask because it, ha- it happened today, and I know it probably sucks. Coach Rule, he got, he got the ax, which sucks because I love Coach Rule. I think he's a great coach. Um, I think he's going to be up for a lot of – coaching jobs in the future um but what's your thoughts on like what's the vibes around the team you know how did you guys take it you know talk to talk to us a little about how how today was it's probably not the best day in the carolina panthers organization but you know i'm sure there's some light you can shed on it um you know going through coaching changes is always tough you know i did have a coaching change in college with coach freeze to coach luke and you know you start to see who were his guys and who weren't his guys because they either leave with him or they're hired by the next staff or, you know, stuff like that. You know, today, you know, it's never, you never want anybody to lose their job. And it's not always just the coach is the reason why he's losing his job. Everybody has a hand in that cookie jar, you know, from the players not executing the the calls to us not, you know, the players not winning games to, you know, sometimes the coach is making the wrong calls. So everybody has a hand in, you know, a coach getting hired and a coach getting fired. Um, you know, Coach Rule is the you know one of the main reasons why I'm here in Charlotte. So I appreciate him. And you know, it's always tough. I see, you know you respect a man like Coach Rule because of the fact of you know we come out for the game. They they the fan you know they they call everybody's names. They do this. They do that. And then you know they say you know your head coach Coach Rule, and then the stadium boos him. And he's just like, all right, let's play football. You know what I'm saying? Or you know. The whole time they're like, fire your rule, fire your rule. And then you're like, and he's just not phased. He's just like, let me just keep focusing on this game. Let me keep focusing on this game. You know, to come up in front of us every day and have the same message and never really waver from who he was, even during the times when people were saying he sucked as a coach, when two years ago they were, you know, begging him to come to Charlotte. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, you know, the fan, just like a, it's just like a player. The fans build you up. And if you're not executing to that level, they tear you right back down. For so, sure. You know, again, he's he's a great coach. He'll get another opportunity. Um, coach Snow has gone to our defensive coordinator, so you know, we're surprised about that one. And then a lot of changes. You no, know, but it's, it's it's a business. NFL is mm-hmm. a business. So is college football is a business. Um, so you know, I hope nothing for the best for them. 
And, you know, maybe I'll see him another day if it's, you know, playing football. Or if, you know, I get into the coaching realm, I might hit up Coach Rule like, yo, coach, I need a job. You know what I'm saying? Are we but talking about, we, never... we thinking about the coaching now? What? No, 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 no. I was just, I was just saying, Miles does not want to coach. It's cool. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's never, it's never an easy day, never mm-hmm. an easy week, really. That first week, because then you're trying to grasp what that, you know, our interim coach is trying to do. And the interim coach was actually my position coach. So it's going to be like, he's a head coach, so he's going to be talking to other positions. It's just going to be weird to see how it's going to shape out these next few days of who's going to be coaching us, defensive coordinator, who's going to, you know, DB coach, stuff like that. So okay. I just, you know, I'm hey, at the end of the day, it's my job to go out there and execute you know, to it. the best of my ability, do my job, um, help the team win. Because at the end of the day, the, the goal is still to win a game, mm-hmm. to keep winning games. So at the end of the day, that's going to be my goal every week to go out there and get the W. So. It sure. is what it is for me. You know, but, you know, I wish nothing but the, the best for Coach Rule and appreciate the opportunity he gave me here. Hey, and that's a great mindset to have because, you know, any coaching change is not easy. And the fact that you've kind of dealt with a coaching change in the past, like you spoke about in college, you handled that the right way. And, you know, seeing Coach Rule leave now and then having your position coach, you know, the mindset is there. And now it's just taken day by day. You know, like you said, execute when you have to execute. Be where you got to be when you got to be there. And, you know, nothing really changes for you. You keep doing what you do and keep balling because at the end of the day, balling's all you got to do. It's all I know, man. Yes, all sir. I know. I'm just trying to get better every single day, every single game. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Hey, this is a good episode. I, I'm i glad we – you know it. I hate that our schedules kind of always mix, mix up a little. You know, you're in Charlotte, me back in Jersey, both in season. You know, that's – it's not an easy time to do a podcast together, but, you know, we keep finding time. We keep finding ways. You know, we keep figuring it out, and that's all we can do. We just want to keep bringing as much content to our fans as possible. We appreciate everybody for tuning in. What you got for them to end yeah. it? Take it day by day, hour by hour, and just get better. Two What is it? 2% two better percent, every day, right? 2% better daily. That's what we do. Hey, Let's we appreciate it. y'all. Yeah. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Why? Because we all friendly. That's it. Yeah! All season. All men are created equal. Some just work harder during the off season. Let's work.